listeners of the Yahweh Reddit fandom. Franchise. Franchise, trademarked, copyright, and forevermore. Always yours. It's us. It's Laura. And it's Maggie. And this is not a season of Yowie Reddit. This is a special episode of Yowie Reddit. This is our first very special episode that's not a part of any season. This is a special episode because we got an email from a um, an author and then we got sent a book and we are talking about her book. Yes, yes. So the, this episode is us reading Find Me in the Time Before by uh, Robin Stevens Pays. Um, and this episode's really cool because we're doing a lightning speed uh, deep dive into this book. I shouldn't say deep dive because it's a lightning fast one. It's a lightning fast summary of the book. And then we're actually sitting down with Robin and picking her brain a little bit about writing and creating the series and all of this. So I'm I'm really happy to be here. Yes, uh, we're diving in in the fourth book of her series. Edge of Yesterday. Edge of Yesterday. Find Me in the Time Before. Um, and this book can be read standalone, I will say, but boy, do, do we not get as much color and, uh, that context. I, and context that I think we need. We get brief mentions that like brings us up to speed, but me as the person I am, I love to know the full story. Yes. Um, so true. Maggie and I are giving you this lightning fast summary discussion of the book. Much like the book where we start off in the fourth one and we just jump right we in. We jump right in. To, uh, summarizing this by... This is a book about time travel. This is a book about time travel. And Hi, this is the podcast. This is the podcast. It's a book about time travel and Charlie, the main protagonist. Um, We kind of get a bit of background into her history time traveling. She's time traveled to Da Vinci's time period. And And we also have learned that that is where the first three books exist. It's all like building the time machine, going to Da Vinci, being stuck in Da Vinci's world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of big science-y technology terms for this. Um, Charlie got in a little bit of trouble when she time-traveled last time because yeah. she hacked her dad's computer. And along the way, my no, seriously, <laughs> met a sage um, kind of like teacher guy named Kairos who accompanies her on this trip. And it seems like most of hers in the past. And it's so funny because I, uh, and listeners, this is a little bit out of order because we obviously we've recorded the interview with Robin and that's going to go after the summary. So we're doing the summary now, knowing what we know from Robin, kind of like we're time traveling. And I will say, that was a beautiful segue. thank you. I really will say, I thought Kairos was like 45 and um, Robin has confirmed that Kairos is like about their age, but he's just like a mystical being that is like a kind of ageless, but like visually he is like, like a teenager. Yeah. He's ethereal. Yeah. Which um, makes sense. But like me reading this, I was like, man, is Kairos like a 50 year old hanging out with a teenager? That's weird. But now it makes more sense. <laughs> And it's a it lot does. more appropriate. <laughs> it does. It does. Yes. Um. So Charlie is the main character. She's got a best friend. Um. Beth. Slash, oh, best friend of me, Beth. Best friend of me. Yeah. They're they love each other, but they hate each other. And she also has like kind of like a boy toy, and his name is Billy. Yes, but they are kind of prohibited right now from hanging out, and most importantly, doing the science fair together. Um. Because they got in trouble last time. And we also know that they live in the D.C. area. <laughs> They do. They do live in the D.C. area. Um, So Charlie is readjusting to being back in the present after traveling to Da Vinci's time. She has some twin sisters and she's she goes to school. Yeah. Yeah. She also gets to have like some like time travel dreams. It sounds like, you know, being a time traveler that Charlie is. She's a little disoriented. Yes. Um, And our big, big main plot point that gets this book started is that the science fair is coming up. Billy and Charlie are not allowed to be in the science fair together because they got in trouble. 
Um, but they find a loophole to work together by teaming up with frenemy Beth or Bethy as they call her sometimes. And y'all, I'm going to say it right now. Beth could not be more opposite than Billy and Charlie. Oh, no, no, no. She has the highest fashion. She is, she has 10,000 followers on YouTube. She's just like peak Instagram influencer. And her proposed science plan is that She's going to brainstorm with Charlie without her knowing. She does not know about the time travel. Yeah. They are going to make a outfit that is suitable for time travel that um, acclimates to whatever climate it is in. Which is honestly cool. Yeah. Like, it would be really useful for, like, running nowadays. Oh, like, my God. Honestly, it I would be useful in Chicago anything. right now where it is snowing. Are you kidding me? I know. Think about it. Like, if I could wear a crop top. I was just going to say crop top, too. Yeah, that keeps me heated. <laughs> oh, wow. And sexy. Crop top heated and sexy. That's the future. Trademark that. <laughs> Trademark that. Um, so, uh, this this whole science fair plan gets jolted because we also find out Kairos' sister, Carolina, she has been jolted into the wrong time period because when Charlie came back from Da Vinci's time, it also lunged Carolina into the wrong time period as well. And Carolina is now stuck in French Enlightenment, French Revolution. Paris It's pre-revolution. I'm so bad at history. Oh, it's okay. And uh, and reading this book uh, reminded me how bad at history and science I am. Um, But I had fun. But this is kind of like a good thing for Charlie. Not her being trapped in like uh, the (laughs) Kyra's younger (laughs) sister being trapped. But she has a historical figure she really wants to meet named Emile in um, 1724. Yes. Um, But they're still teens, y'all. They got to go to a homecoming dance. Billy and Charlie are going together. They're getting on a party bus. There's alcohol involved. There's alcohol. Beth starts a um, sort of illicit love affair with this guy that neither Billy nor yeah. Charlie really like. His name literally is Guy. His name is Guy. Not um, a good guy. Um, and um, Billy and Charlie, they go to the diner after homecoming and they kiss in the booth, which is like very cute, very fun. Yes. Um, but the next day, Beth is hungover from all the alcohol she drank on the party bus, and it's science fair day, and they got to talk about uh, these fabrics for the fair and all of that. Um, and then I love this part of the book because Charlie's like, so Beth, this needs to be like 18th century attire. And Beth's like, literally, why? This is a science fair project. And she's like, Halloween is next week. And she does not get it. And also Charlie, um, supplements this design with this nice fabric she somehow got at the University of Maryland. Yeah. My, so Beth probably just has a million questions. My favorite thing here though, is they do try to tell Beth about time travel and she's like shut the fuck up you idiots yeah she doesn't believe uh no. billy nor charlie even though billy like brings over this bike that is suited just for time travel and beth once again goes over her head she gets on the bike yeah. and she she hits a tree she's, yeah she's not this she's not the brightest exactly yeah so they, they do get that cooling fabric from the university of maryland this was after they realized they couldn't put tubes of water in the dress that wouldn't work mm-hmm. um and then we fast forward it's halloween the dress is finished and it's, it's a party in the cemetery, which honestly sounds a little too spooky for me, especially for high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, okay, high school would have been the only time I would have fucked with it. Otherwise, I, like, because <laughs> I, I was you like, can't. I can't die. I'm 16 and yeah. immortal. Kind of crazy how we all think we're never going to die at 16. 
It is so true. <laughs> I love the beat after that. <laughs> you, I will never the die. Moment of silence. It is true. It's so true. You feel like you're invincible until you get hit by a moped crossing the street in New York City. That's what happened to Laura. Uh, yeah. So Charlie's phone. Uh, she trips. She's got the big 18th century dress on, and in a cemetery. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna lose her she, phone. Yeah, she's gonna lose her phone. She trips and her phone falls in an open grave. And Beth has also lost her phone at this point. But when yeah, Charlie, this moment is chaos. This scene was absolute chaos. I know. When Charlie retrieves her phone and when Billy comes over and is like, I heard you crying because you're in a cemetery alone. Where's her best friend? Yeah, Beth? and Beth, Beth's gone. Beth's missing. Beth is MIA, missing in action. Yeah, she sees a TikTok uh, that Beth is in this dress and then all of a sudden it's just everything starts shifting around her. She's falling. And Charlie, Charlie's time traveling, y'all. This happened fast. This happened chaotically. This, this is not what they planned. At least I think it wasn't planned. I don't I don't think so. It seems like an accidental time travel. You know. We've you know, all been you there. You know when you just trip and you start time traveling, ladies. She is she comes to in a cemetery, but it's not in her time. It is in 1742 Paris. Yikes, and that's not the time period she needed to be in. Thank God she's wearing this dress. Oh, uh, thank God she's wearing this dress, but she also lands in a cemetery in Paris. Um and Kairos is there. Awesome. Great. Uh, and they start just kind of like walking around the cemetery, having some chats. But things turn from okay to very bad when uh, the police come and arrest Charlie for grave robbing. Yeah, since she is around a lot of uh, corpses, I'm pretty sure this was during the plague. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of like unmarked graves, just bodies everywhere. Same. Same. <laughs> As Just a Tuesday Same, for me. Yeah. Um, she is, uh, gets shackled, she is thrown on a horse, and she's on her way to Bastille, which is a, um, a very well-known prison. Yeah. We all know. You, we've all heard of the storming of the Bastille. This is before that. History. History. We should do more historical fiction because these riffs are fantastic. I would, I'll say. <laughs> and in this prison, she meets Voltaire. That was, a, I think that was a Google Home Telling us to calm down. Okay, my heart is was beating terrifying. out of my chest. Okay, uh, <laughs> so she's in prison. And she, <laughs> she meets Voltaire. It was from the other room yeah, too. They they get you. Um, we're talking about Halloween. We deserve that. Yeah, we yeah yeah. And you know she's about to get sentenced. She's like, oh no, that's not good. But the next day, a letter comes from a very important man, who is like. Um, uh, Amelia wants to uh, see you and you're not in jail anymore. Uh, yeah, and she meets Voltaire. She's free. She's free, she's free she's to free. go. She gets, a, she gets a phone call from Billy and Billy's like having trouble getting a hold of her. So this is kind of a mess. And Charlie needs some answers because she's like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure where I'm at. I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the right year. We find out later she's not in the right year. Kairos finds her and he has an updated time bike like uh, Billy had. Yeah, I guess I guess she he just got the bike that uh, Charlie had packed. And um, and Kairos is like, get in, bitch. We're going to Versailles. But a little problematic is on the screen she notices like a protest. Everyone's wearing masks. It's like an I can't breathe. And it's kind of like a foreshadowing of 
maybe Charlie should kind of get her shit together in this time, because if she really fucks it up, it seems like the future is going to be um, not yeah. hot, and not popping. Charlie does not get their shit together, because this bike is taking so long, so they, like, uh, cop a wagon man to take them in their wagon, and he steals Charlie's backpack of things that she needs in this present time, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's not looking good. Kairos is so hilarious. Like, Kairos is never dealing with, like, any of the severity of anything. He's like, no, it's fine. Like, even in the cemetery, he was like... Nah, Charlie, it's fine. Oh, nah, yeah. Nah, no. Charlie, it's fine. He's like, you get arrested, I got a plan. And it's like, am I just supposed to trust you? He is an unbothered king. Uh, yeah, so true. So after a long time, they finally get to the Versailles Palace. Um, they, yes, as Laura said, they stash their bike. Um, and Charlie's a little bit stressed because her translator, Esme, as they call the device. Yeah, she has like an app that translates into her AirPods. It's really cool. That's a cool thing it is it's running out of juice yikes and when she pulls up to the scene she sees some sword fighting classic going down and um who is sword fighting Amelia but uh Beth yeah and also Amelia is uh is a, a younger version than the version that Charlie was trying to meet um and she's like Charlie's like I gotta do recon right now this wasn't supposed to happen and Beth thinks this entire thing is a dream yes uh she thinks the entire thing is a dream she has a little bit of a girl crush, too, on Amelia, which is very fun. Yeah, and also, um, uh, Charlie is really, really jealous that Beth has become so close with Amelia. And I would be so mad, too. Like, I came here to meet Amelia, not you. Yeah, and the fact that they're getting along is a lot. Like, Amelia, like Laura said, is much younger. She's in the teens mindset. She's got fashion, boys, all of it on her mind. Yeah. That's all she cares about. They even, like, uh, like partially stab Beth to make her bleed a little bit to show her it's not a dream. And Beth is still like, nah, it's a dream. So then Charlie does her plan B, which is just to tell everyone that Beth is insane. <laughs> Which is yeah. very, very funny. Yeah. Beth is Beth is honestly so fun in her own world. She's like, I want to do a photo shoot here. Um, but Charlie's like, we need to we need to stay focused. Um, yeah. Because unfortunately, Amelia, she got matched up with a guy today. So, you know, it's just, it's no one's day. Yeah, it's no one's day. But it is mission day because they do find Charlie, finally. Uh, kind of forgot we were looking for her. Uh, that's oh, on Carolina. Me, yeah, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, we find her, uh, they kind of catch up, and Carolina talks about how she found them, um, but th- we cannot spend too much time on Carolina, because Beth is just getting in trouble again. She's rattling the guards and being a, a menace. She is, and so Charlie's like, "I we gotta get out of here, and Carolina finds um, Leonardo da Vinci's Book of Magic, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, he must yeah, be Yeah, Carolina is eight years old and no sleight of hand, which is really dope. I think that's hilarious and awesome. Yeah, she does some magic, and she reveals that she has Billy's compass, so they start time traveling. Yep. Back, they're going back to the future. Back to the present. Amen. Mm -hmm. And Beth and Charlie, they end up at Beth's house where Beth's mom is trying to give her a mask. She's like, I don't, you shouldn't start anything. Yeah, she's talking about rules and the only way we allowed the sleepover so you guys could work on that school project was if you wore a mask because we can't spread anything. We gotta be safe. And we're Mm -hmm. like, what's going on? Beth is also freaking out because she thought this was a dream and Carolina is clearly there in the present. Yeah, Carolina came with them. So, yikes. You know, she's at the foot of the bed. They kicked her. Oops. 
And when Billy calls, Charlie realizes she completely overshot the present and is actually legitimately in the future. And it's 2020 and COVID yeah. is happening. And, Ch- and Charlie, if we didn't say, is from 2019. So this is bad news. No, they upset the timeline. Yep. And uh, we learn uh, that the reality here is that there is a 2020 Charlie that exists and also now the 2019 Charlie that exists. And so Charlie's like, I got to jump because... I can't let the current Charlie meet me, no. past Charlie, but also future Charlie. And um, also, not really clear if Beth is has present Beth or not. I didn't. I didn't get. Yeah, that. yeah. I don't think we got an, an alignment because we also see that present Beth was talking with past Charlie. Yes. Um, yes. And, and then we time travel. We don't really get the answers, but we just. I think we just assume that like. Beth is Beth, and there was two Charlies. Yes. And before um, she time travels, she goes to the school track and talks to Billy. And yeah, it's essentially, she does. I mean, Billy's giving them the lowdown on COVID, which we know we're not going to get into COVID. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all don't know what it's COVID is by spreader. now, y'all, y'all have been living under a rock. And if you're living under a rock listening to Y'all We Read It, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And why they overshot this time is because um, he tried getting them back to their time, but they came back with a compass that Kairos had had, and it messed everything up. Yeah, and so um, Charlie's like, she wants to go see her parents, but Billy's like, you can't go see your parents. Yeah. So she's like, fine, I'm going to go to the Paris that I meant to land in. And that's exactly what she does. It is. She gets to 1736 Paris. Oh, wait. Oh, maybe that. No, that might have been before. Because now Amelia is older. Yeah. And sexier. Because we. <laughs> sexier. Charlie does get to watch her bathe and does comment on how sexy she is. She Not does. explicitly, but that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, yeah. And once again, like, the the guards, they must not be doing that great of a job because they just kind of, like, let her in. There's yeah. a big party going on. Yeah, and also Emily remembers her from, like, her youth. Uh, so it's just like, oh, cool, you're here. Great memory. Wish I had yeah, that. Yeah, I would never, I would never remember someone I met in a very brief moment, but... Yeah, and so Amelia is there, uh, and her husband Voltaire is there. A husband Voltaire is there. Are they husbands? I think I looked up I that thought... they were lovers, and she had a different husband. But oh, I thought... maybe they were lovers. I don't know. I don't know enough about history. I don't really either. Um, and she's putting together that this is not the same Charlie that she used to know. So she's like, "Please dine with me. I must hear all your stories." Yeah, uh, and they're also like, "Great, thank you for dining with us." Will you be in Voltaire's play tonight? So this mm-hmm. took a big shift because I was not expecting a Voltaire play to be thrown in here. No, 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 no. And they do talk. She Charlie overhears them talk a bit about the French Revolution. So she's like, "Okay, that gives us some context." Yeah, and uh, and the and the and the play happens. They're they're doing they're doing their lines. They're having some fun, but things uh, get a little bit wonky here because uh, Charlie hits her phone at some point and accidentally plays a message from Billy like to the audience and now they got they got a whole mess of improv to try to make sense of this audio message that played in a world where audio doesn't exist even worse charlie is coming down with the sickness down with the sickness as we will know yeah and she really needs to find a doctor but unfortunately she came from covid time so it is likely covid that she is spreading in the 18th century yikes time travel is a super spreader am i right am i right um but don't worry because kairos shows up and he starts doling out like shots that we think are the vaccine oh he's got vaccines left and right that's that's sexy and they're this is all happening on stage so he gives 
Charlie a vaccine. He gives Voltaire a vaccine. Voltaire does not give a fuck. He's like, I have had worse things in my body. Give it to me. Yeah. He gives Amelia a vaccine. Without her really knowing, she's like, but he saves her. Tons yeah. And as, as this whole mess is, like, kind of uh, settling down, they're like, okay, Charlie, we're you gotta go back. So um, they all do a, a big time travel prep to get Charlie back to her correct time. And we land in Study Hall 2019, where we were previously in the beginning of this book talking about the science fair, talking about those fabrics and talking about the dress. So we've done it. We've gotten back into a correct timeline. Thank goodness. And what is also very fun is she gets to see a live stream of Amelia hanging out with Da Vinci yeah. and Newton because I think Amelia somehow also figured out time travel. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Yeah, that's what I took away too. Smart we could girl. be wrong. But that's what we took away. That was our takeaway. Um, but Carolina also comes back with her again, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah, and uh, and this book is going to end on a cliffhanger for you because now they got to send Carolina back. And we kind of end with a, a big old time time shift starting to happen. No, we don't know where they're going next. But we do but because we, do. we talk about it in our interview with Robin, which, which you will have to listen to. You'll have to stay tuned because the, the next part of this episode is our interview with Robin. But before we get there, we got to do our top five, Meg. Oh, it's our favorite. And this one, we are going to be doing the top five places we want Charlie to go. And none of them are the place that she's actually going <laughs> next. None of them. Which you can find out again in the in interview. interview. Exactly. Um, okay, this is, I'm really excited about this one, our number five spot. Yes. Uh, we think that Charlie should go to Australia three years ago. Uh, we don't know if there's any fun history going on, but we just think she should, she, she should go surfing three years ago in Australia. Cowabunga. Cowabunga. Number four, we think that she should go <laughs> to the first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's history in the making. What will she see there? Uh, she'll see like a like a, a balloon. And what are they? You and know, we gotta know. Balloon. Yeah, we gotta see. We gotta know. Um, we, okay, and this one, this one's a history trip because we think she should go back to Viking times. That'd be super fun. Listen, I've been to medieval times and I'd love to like live through it for like five minutes. Maggie, medieval times aren't the same as Viking times. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. We just want her to go to Egypt when the pyramids How were there. How cool would that be? I mean, the pyramids are there, there now. How Okay, when there was like a queen, you know, yeah, Cleopatra. Yeah, like a pharaoh and a queen. That'd be dope. That'd be awesome. That'd be spooky dooky. <laughs> Yes, it would. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I don't know. Mummies are scary. <laughs> they are scary. Yeah. They are. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. All right. And number one, um, I think Maggie and I have to say this one together on three. Absolutely. Uh, we think she should go to Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules 2013. 2013. Yep. In this timeline, you... Shh. You guessed it. She's there for the series premiere. She works at Sir. She's a server at Sir working <laughs> under Lisa Vanderpump, and she gets to be on Vanderpump Rules. That'd be a great. Book. I would. I would. I would read this because, unfortunately, I love Vanderpump Rules so fucking much. Buy it for your family for Christmas. I'll buy. I'll buy that copy. Yeah, the whole family gets it. Yeah. Um, and Robin, if you're listening to this part, maybe consider. <laughs> maybe consider. Please. Uh, <laughs> But also, Robin, you don't have to. You're so nice. Uh, and I'm so excited for our listeners to get to hear from you. Um, but that, that's that's it for the summary. We did it. This is it for part one. So get ready for part two coming two, up two, now. Two, two, two.
And now for the second half of this Yeah, We Read It episode, we are joined with uh, the author herself. Yeah. Welcome, Robin Stevens-Pays. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. You're oh, awesome. my gosh. <laughs> we're, we're, this is like, this is, uh, it almost didn't feel real, uh, when we were approached to like interview an actual like YA author. Yeah. I feel like I personally was like, uh, what us? Are you sure? Okay. Uh, we'd love to, but like, how did you find us? What's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, but we can be fun and professional. Yeah, we can be fun and professional. And there, uh, I'm really excited to, uh, talk, uh, about, uh, YA yeah. with you, your process with YA, your book, um, so yeah. yeah. Robin, where are you calling in from? So I'm in Rockville, Maryland, right outside DC. Oh, we love Maryland. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you guys? We're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love well, Chicago. I grew yeah. up in Cincinnati and Chicago oh, was the big city we went to. That was yeah. like so yeah. fun. Going I'm out. from, uh, I'm from Ohio as well. I grew up in Cleveland area. So opposite sides, but Fellow close Bunday. enough. Yes. <laughs> um awesome oh yeah and we've been to baltimore a few times so we do love maryland a little bit we know yes yeah we've we've been there that is that's interesting that you are like near dc because i think one of the things that we did want to ask you especially about the book it seems like you know a lot about history a lot about politics yeah um so what was like your research process going into writing a book that was so history science heavy yeah, so um, so I have a background as a science writer. Among oh, cool! Others, and um, and and doing social marketing. So social marketing is like um, I would call it cause marketing or health marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am used to working with researchers. I've worked in many um, universities. So I worked at Georgetown, the University of Maryland, Johns Hopkins. So I'm used to that kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you guys, I'm just like so curious about everything. So I have to look it up. Like if it's something I want to know about, then I have to look it up. And like the first answer is usually never enough for me. I I like to really go deep. In fact, this is just um, family lore. They, in, in, um, in our family, people don't Google it. They rob in it. (laughs) That's really cute. I know all kinds of useless trivia about all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that so cute. Yeah, that's really cute. So with that, so you, you talked a little bit about like your background with with research and all of that. So was writing young adult novels like kind of like the end goal for you or did something else kind of inspire you to get here? Um honestly, I had no intention of writing YA anything <laughs> <laughs> ever in my life before um before I had kids who were kind of entering their teenage years. Um, my kids are all grown now. In fact, my daughter just got married last weekend. So very excited about that. But I started thinking about this series when they were kind of going into middle school. And I just saw the changes going on in their lives. And, you know, I was the carpool mom, Mm -hmm. driving them and their friends to soccer and band practice, you know, the drill, all that stuff. Yeah. And um, I would listen in on the backseat conversations because that was how I got my intel in those days because they would not talk to me directly. They <laughs> never thought I was listening in the front. Like you disappear if you're in yeah. the front seat and they're, they're all talking in the backseat. And what really made, you know, they talked about all the usual things about I hate this teacher or this was such a hard test, whatever. But the thing that I got really 
curious and then a little frustrated about was they wanted to do and be everything. So they wanted to be star soccer players and play jazz saxophone and be diplomats and dentists and, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and, and so it occurred to me that in our society, and this also comes from my, the academic work that I, you know, being in an academic environment, the narrower and deeper you go into a field, mm-hmm. the more specialized you are, the more money you can make, the more successful you'll be in your very narrow slice of, of the world, right? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the society we, we have created, mm-hmm. but my kids wanted to do and be everything. And so did their friends, you know, my, yeah. they were unique in that way. And so it started as a thought experiment, mm-hmm. which was, was, was there ever a time in history when people were encouraged to explore and kind of do and try different things and really tap into all of their talents yeah. to develop themselves as human beings, you know, like not to get the job as the neurosurgeon, the top neurosurgeon mm-hmm. at Hopkins necessarily about could be a result, but just to explore. And so the thought experiment was, was that, what was that time, would, what would that time in history have been? And mm-hmm. I landed on the Renaissance and sort of the ultimate Renaissance genius, of course, was Leonardo da Vinci, mm-hmm. who totally. was, you know, a, an amazing um, artist and sculptor, but he was also a musician, an inventor, an engineer, an architect, a scientist, um, a, a chef. <laughs> Uh, party planner, like he did it all. And yeah. so, so what if a modern day teen mm-hmm. got to go back to Renaissance Florence and talk to Leonardo da Vinci to learn his secrets? That was kind of the genesis. Yeah. The, yeah. the book series. So, so, uh, you know, the book we're going to talk about, or you're talking about is the fourth book in the series, mm-hmm. Find Me in the Time Before, but it started with this Edge of Yesterday adventure. Mm-hmm which um, went back to, you know, Charlie Morton, my protagonist, finds Leonardo da Vinci's plans for a time machine, but Leonardo didn't have the science or technology to build it. So for the middle school science fair, Charlie builds a model of Leonardo's time machine. Mm -hmm. There's a little romance and a bump and a kiss and whoops, she triggers the machine and ends (laughs) up going back 500 years across six time zones to land in an empty field at midnight under a hail of cannon fire. Yeah. Face to face with Leonardo himself. So that's how this series gets launched. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that also brings us to like, yeah, so we we obviously only read the fourth book, Finding in the Time Before. So there's a whole backlog of story that like we, we fully didn't get. Yeah, you jump from Da Vinci to the Enlightenment period, obviously, yeah. um, kind of like pre-French Revolution. So what made you want to like shift gears to a completely different time period? Well, first of all, so, so spoiler alert, Charlie makes it back to the 21st century. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. We'll get that out of the way because <laughs> somebody's going to figure that out, right? Yeah. I won't tell you how or what happens along <laughs> the way to read the books to find yeah, that out. Yeah, very fair. But the thing is, now that she has unlocked the secret of time travel, what's to keep her at home in Maryland anymore? You know, yeah. she wants to learn from all of these, what she calls her, the people she calls her superheroes of history. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not going to stick around and babysit for, <laughs> for you know, for change to to buy a new iPhone. She's yeah. going to take what she's got and and really interview all of her heroes of history. So the second, the book that you um, find me in the time before that you're that mm-hmm. you're reviewing, is um, the next 
I guess, the next great adventure for her. Yeah. It's another polymath, but this one, you know, is about an 18th century physicist, philosopher, and mathematician who translates Newton into French in addition. They still use in real life today in France. Yeah. Who dueled at the court of Versailles and beat the dual master who gambled and won money um, to, to uh, support tutors. Mm-hmm because this person was so um, curious and um, exceptionally ahead of, of their time, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and uh, was also the consort of Voltaire and the mother of four. Yeah. <laughs> she was a woman, my gosh. Yeah. A woman, another hidden figure, but from this time from seven, the seven, early 1700s, like how could we not know her name? Right. Yeah. I thought that was like a, a really cool decision because I was like, I have one not heard of this person. I've heard of Voltaire, heard of Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. So now I'm also learning about this person. And like, ha, like I, this is also me. I'm not the most science history person. Like I had to Google, I was like, this person was real. Right. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. This person was yeah. real. Cause I was like, I was, that makes, I was like, is, I don't know. Like I, maybe, maybe, maybe she made it up. Cause like it was such a rich like character obviously, but then it was like, oh no, this is like a real person that it's based off of. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, awesome. That's dope. Yeah. Super cool. And I was like, oh, I learned, I also learned something from this book. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of fun because it feels like Charlie has a big checklist of historical figures that she looks up to. Um, Oh, she definitely does. Are there any like historical figures that you're wanting her to visit in the future or any personally that are like your favorite? I have a long list, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say that I've started in on, on book five in the series. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to take place in the 1920s in New York. Here's a little teaser. Ooh, Gangs of New York. That's fun. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And it's also kind of focused on the Harlem Renaissance. Ooh. And another hidden, not so hidden figure, this woman is, her legacy is really being revived today. Um, and um, she was just a... Um, one of the leading lights of the Harlem Renaissance, um, and her mm-hmm. name is Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, she was a, a writer and an anthropologist, um, Black woman from the Deep South, from Florida, who ended up in New York and um, going to, uh, was given a scholarship to go to Barnard College based on a writing contest that mm-hmm. she won. She was at Howard University. Um, for first, and um, then she won this writing competition, went to a banquet in New York and met the founder of Barnard College, um, this woman, another woman, Annie Nathan Meyer. And so Annie was so enthralled by Zora, this, this young black woman, that she said, I'm going to raise money to bring you to Barnard. So she was the first black student at Barnard College in 1925 which is pretty amazing. Um, so that's the book I'm working on now. And this one is going to really kick my butt, you guys. It's yeah. really, oh, it's going to be a hard one to write. A challenging, I should say. Yeah. I mean, all of them are hard in some ways. <laughs> but this Definitely. one is challenging because um, there's a whole dynamic with, with this leading Black woman mm-hmm. um, and her relationship with this white woman in the terms they used a hundred years ago are so different than what we would consider PC now. Mm -hmm. And so I have to figure out how to frame this in a way that will be interesting to YA readers, Mm -hmm. but also not 
you know, I'm a white woman, so what right do I have to write this story? So I, yeah. I have super, 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 you know, uh, close, pay close attention to yeah. details and really to have authenticity with it. So anyway, that's my. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really awesome that you're like, hey, I understand like as a white woman, I need to be authentic in telling this story and really be understanding of what I'm bringing to the table. So I, I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you you kind of interweave a lot of those um, more complex themes into this series in general. So I'm wondering, um, like, what is your process for writing this, um, like, series? And how, how when did the idea, like, come to you? Because obviously this is, like, a four now going on five book series. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you kind of talked about, like, your kids inspiring it a little bit. But was there, like, an actual, like, sparked moment? Uh, a sparked moment. Let me think about that a second. Um, well, part of it is I love to travel. Awesome. Makes sense. (laughs) I I actually got to go to, to Italy and France to do research for these two books. New York is a lot closer to home. (laughs) And so, uh, my travel budget is a lot smaller, (laughs) Um, but to do the research and really to talk to people who were scholars on the subject, but, Mm -hmm. Um, I think what really, when I started the whole series and was first exploring Leonardo da Vinci, of course, I I knew he was the Renaissance genius as his mm-hmm. reputation. Um, I don't really like that word genius because I think we misinterpret it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a genius really is the, the root of that word. And here, I'm going to geek out on you a little bit. But the root <laughs> yeah. of that word is like the word genie, like a genie on our shoulder. Right. Oh, okay. It's it's not really to do with exceptional brilliance. Um, mm-hmm. So I believe we all have genius in us. We just don't always explore it or mm-hmm. want to recognize it. Sometimes it can be come up, hit us by surprise, and sometimes it's just like, oh, that would make me weird, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, but I do believe we all have some genius in us, in that sense of of the genie. Um, but um, so when when I started doing the research about Leonardo, it was really interesting to see that he would have been considered even a a form of a doctor or healer in his day mm-hmm. because he he did anatomy of all of these figures. I like he drew these amazing anatomical drawings, like one of a heart, which is more accurate than some depictions in today's medical yeah. books. Um, and and he had to do that by, you know, cutting open a dead body, yeah. to do it, which was illegal. Like he would rob graveyards and not mm-hmm. just him. Michelangelo did the same thing, you mm-hmm. know, all these guys um, to make it anatomically correct. But just to the depth that they would go to and their techniques that they would use because they had to get at the absolute perfection of it all and um so that was inspiring to me in a way because um you know a lot of people go and do their job and come home and kick back in street Mm -hmm. lives or something right or they Mm -hmm. doom scroll on instagram or whatever but these guys just couldn't let things go they had Mm -hmm. to get to the bottom of it and I think there's something to that inspiration that we can all learn from. Definitely. <laughs> and because I write YA, I hope that it inspires young people to kind of tap into their own inner genius or at least yeah. not not shun it aside, but to investigate a little more. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, with that, you've talked a lot about like, oh, like how the research process takes a, a minute. Um, so how long did it take you to like write the first book fully given all of those like parameters? <laughs> you want to know the truth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> so um, I started, I started the edge of yesterday, the first, what's you now the first part of the series as a screenplay. Oh, because wow. Never, because I'd never written one before. And I was like, I want to learn how to write a screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was writing the screenplay and I started this when I was, had just had my first child who is now 29, <laughs> whoops, mm-hmm. or my, my third child, sorry. And um, so um, I started the screenplay and then I realized that Charlie, because she's a science girl, she needed she couldn't get back in time because it wasn't plausible. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have the science or technology. So I put the thing away yeah. for like 15 years and I was writing other things and doing, you know, work, work. And um, at a certain point I said, you know, I have this like manuscript, I have this play, the screenplay in my desk. I wonder what would happen if I take it out, if it's still interesting or I even want to finish this. Yeah. And, um, and there was enough there that it was compelling. Plus, at that point, we already had um, the um, iPhone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had, um, in science, they had confirmed this thing called the Higgs boson, which is a faster than light particle. Mm-hmm. So it was plausible then for Charlie, the science girl, <laughs> to figure out a way to go back in time using the technology and using this particle quantum physics thing <laughs> idea um, as a mechanism to do it. So I got it out. I, I rewrote this screenplay, finished that. I have no Hollywood connections. So like is either going to go back in the drawer or I have to do something with this. And that's when I started talking to people who I just were, you know, were advising me, let's say. And, um, and they said, why don't you turn it into a novel? So that's what I did. <laughs> that is so interesting that it started as a screenplay yeah. because obviously there is a visual element to it because unlike a lot of young adult books, you incorporate photos into it, mm-hmm. which is, yes. is so interesting. Yeah. Is that, was that like part of the process behind it? You really wanted a visual element to it too? Yes, that was, that was exactly right. I wanted, I wanted the visual element in it because it is such a visual um, story or series. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I wanted to be able not just to convey in words what this was like, but since mm-hmm. it's actual history, to show as much as possible what it would have been like to be in that mm-hmm. time. So part of it is about like recreating a world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like good science fiction, you're creating worlds. And um, along with that, what I've done is I have a website. It's an interactive learning, learning through story, I call it, learning through story site at edgeofyesterday.com where... Um, we take each of these time periods that Charlie is either has now has visited or will be visiting mm-hmm. and create stories that kind of add to that world. Because once you finish a book, you're, it's done, right? You can't yeah. do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But this gives me an opportunity to kind of add to it. And not only that, I work with young people. I, I've been running a six-week summer internship program for high school kids um, for the past three or four years now. And um, I teach them storytelling. I teach mm-hmm. them this form of 
narrative nonfiction or um, journal, you know, journalism, journalistic writing, mm-hmm. and they have to bring their stories to life in these it has to be related. And the thing that ties it together, just like I was talking about Leonardo did it all, right? And Charlie wants to find out how to do it all. Um, it has to combine many subject areas. So it can't just be about straight science. It has to be about science and art or, you know, music and English and history, or, you know, they can t- pick any combination, but it has to be more than one kind of subject area so that they then have to do research in many areas. And then tie it to their lives. So by doing that, um, what I work with them on is bringing history to the present and then giving them the tools to make it relevant to them and also to decide going forward, well, if I could change things for the future, what would I want it to be? You know, like our future, our present is not necessarily such a great thing right now, at least young people. So how would you change it? Well, you have to know a little about the past and where we've been to figure out where you want to go. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I also really liked that it was like, oh my gosh, this wasn't just an idea that you had and you're like, yep, and I just spit a book out and it was so easy. It's such a testament to like how the creative process works and how it's like something might not work the first time you do it. And it might be something you shelve for forever and then you bring back and you're like, wait, I, I can do something with this now. Like I know exactly what I need to do with it. So I really, really like that. Cause I feel like that's such a good story for like any creator, or any person, or it's just like, Hey, your path can change. And also you can put things away and co- keep doing something else and come back to it. Cause I feel like we focus so much now on like, Oh, well, it has to be done instantly. We have to do things immediately. It has to be done now, now, now. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be done right now. It can be done 29 years later it can be done 10 years later it can be done so many years later so I really really uh love that yeah time is a construct it's so it's so true well, it um, is, and we're, we're all time travelers and we're all time traveling all the time yeah. even if it's just in memory like you know what happened yesterday or what you think is gonna worried about it's not gonna happen tomorrow yeah yeah so we're all time travelers. And in fact, when, when I start with, with my interns and with I do workshops as well for teens and adults, mm-hmm. I um, start with a kind of a writing prompt. If you could go anywhere and any when, where would you go? Who would you want to meet? And what would happen when you got there? Yeah. 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 And that brings up um, like a really good point, especially speaking of present day time. We were both wondering uh, what prompted your decision to set some of this book during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so that's a spoiler. (laughs) Um, Well, because we were all stuck in COVID, (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. very present. And um, the again, the idea of time being fluid. Mm -hmm. Some people would say, physicists would say, quantum physicists would say that all time is happening at the present. There is no past Mm -hmm. or future. Um, But again, it was like this kind of thought experiment. So what happens if, first of all, Charlie gets to meet Emily Duchatelet, this person who she's obsessed with, right? The woman who she wants to meet in the Enlightenment. Um, But she meets her at the wrong time of her life first. Yeah, she she meets her when when Emily, you know, she wants to meet this brilliant woman who has translated Newton and is a feminist in the 1700s. And 
um, and be inspired by her. And instead she meets her when she's a teenager like Charlie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when she's boy crazy and fashion conscious and all the things that teenagers are. Mm-hmm. So she she goes to the wrong back to the wrong right person, wrong time. Yeah. And then she has to figure out how to get to the right Emily du Chatelet when she's older and making mm-hmm. these discoveries. Mm-hmm. But she can't do that without going home. And so time travel is not an exact science quite mm-hmm. yet. We're mm-hmm. working on that. And she overshoots and whoops, she ends up a year after mm-hmm. <laughs> she left. <laughs> um, and there's a pandemic, which she knows nothing about. Like, yeah. what's a pandemic? <laughs> uh, so, so it adds a wrinkle. And I have to say, when you ask me about the creative process, it's also that um, Charlie tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not have this idea that she was going to time travel four times in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she did, and so she. I had a, a whole outline that did not have that part. Yeah, in it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's also such a fun part about like the writing process, where you're like, "Great, here's my outline," and then you're like, "But what if I explore this part?" And then it's just a, it takes on a life of its own. So it's awesome to hear that you're like, "I did that," and that's what the final product is because I sometimes the outline doesn't work. Um, we're, uh, going to shift gears, uh, and stop talking about the process, but we're going to, we're going to talk about some characters now. Um, so we know, uh, Beth and Charlie, they kind of have a, a frenemy vibe to them, if you will. Um, and there's a lot of competition, uh, between them and like really kind of at the root of their friendship. Um, so was there, was there uh, any like kind of root example of like why, why you kind of wanted the, the competitive nature between them? Um, I think it's such a such a normal vibe for middle school or in True. high school. Yeah. You know? So it just seemed to me to be pretty realistic. Yeah. Um, and just watching my kids grow up and when I was growing up, I know that half the time my best friend was not spe- – I was not speaking to her. Yeah. She was not speaking to me. And the other half the time we were inseparable kind of thing. Yeah. So, so really – I think I think it was about being true to form, and I I have because I work with these teens, I have a little bit of a test market that I try things out on, and I yeah. say like, all right, everybody, if I write it this way, what do you think is that realistic? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make it grounded to make sure that it would still resonate with with modern readers, um, and so they they encouraged me to um, to keep it real that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I, I really like that you got like we're able to get feedback like that from like people actually that age that are like, yeah, keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I know as you were saying, you work with your internship and you have like your two daughters. And I was wondering, like, for those modern day kind of references in terms of especially like the lingo they mm-hmm. use, do you draw inspiration from watching not only like your daughters, but also the kids that you work with and kind of Oh my gosh, I could not do it without that. Yeah. <laughs> percent yeah and and the language changed so when I you know as I said I started writing this series when my kids were kind of Mm preteens and the slang was different back then so Mm -hmm. I I would when I took my little notes at red lights and wrote on my hand because I didn't have a phone to that had notes yeah Yeah. (laughs) um I would write down words that I had and check it out later like do you guys really say this kind of thing um and then when I went back to it, so I put it, the screenplay away. When I went back to it, the language had changed a lot. So I had to go and update some of the references. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of it was because we didn't have phone, you know, we didn't have cell phones then. We didn't have social, well, we had cell phones, but not smartphones. We didn't have social media. A lot of this is just the speed of technological change and the way that teens' lives revolve around that so much now mm-hmm. is so yeah. different than yeah. it was when I got started on this. So yeah, I have to keep up to date. That's why I love working with these guys. Yeah. And also, I have to say, I love this Gen Z. Um, they are so <laughs> amazing. They are really, uh, uh, sadly, they are so wounded, you know, because mm-hmm. they've been through so much. Yeah. But on the plus side, they're like determined and fierce and they mm-hmm. have so many things about the world that they see differently than we do or yeah. that I do certainly and that they want to make right. Yeah. And so again, as if Charlie is kind of an avatar or an archetype for that generation, mm-hmm. maybe she can inspire, you know, the, she's a stick, she's a stick to it person, you know, maybe she can ex- inspire some of these other kids in, in reading about her to also mm-hmm. persist because I think that's so important. That's a like skill they don't teach in school, but how how do you get through life if you can't persist and you can't be resilient and you can't express emotion and get yeah. excited and passionate mm-hmm. about things? So true. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so there are obviously, besides Charlie and Beth, um, the other main relationship in this book is Billy and Charlie. Mm-hmm. And did you ever uh, kind of like teeter back and forth between deciding on whether they're just going to be friends or something more romantic? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, because Charlie was, Charlie gets so focused and locked in and obsessed with things mm-hmm. that the romantic part of it wasn't necessarily natural to the storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, except that, and, and, and Billy's the same way. I mean, like both of them kind of have tunnel vision in a certain way, mm-hmm. but when two people are so um, cool, nerdy, like, I think they are. <laughs> I like yeah. They yeah. Are. Um, and and they both have the same interests and obsessions, even if they express them differently and mm-hmm. they, they kind of pursue life in the different way. They're bound to be stuck together and they were science fair partners, so they're together a lot. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the romance in this book really grew out of the fact that I experimented with how their relationship was going to be. Yeah. And I, I like I if you read my earlier drafts, it wasn't necessarily um, boyfriend and girlfriend. And mm-hmm. um, also it, it's awkward to them to be in a relationship. Yeah. Like that. So um, it it sort of grew um, as they as I was writing dialogue and they were spending more time together, you know, and um, and and they still are awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely, it, I, I feel like it definitely read like almost like a relatable sort of like middle school, high school relationship where it's just like, yeah, they clearly both don't know what they're doing. They both don't really know how to talk about what they're doing. Uh, and I think Charlie really vocalizes it well of just being like, well, I want to go to the homecoming dance with Billy, but like, I we haven't really talked about that. And I don't really know how to bring it up. And it's like, I remember feeling that like yeah. so often of like, I like this person and I don't know what to do about it. And I don't, I just don't know. And yeah. And I feel like I, I really liked how like true to like kind of what, what it's like to be a teen 
that felt like where it's just like, yeah, they're, oh, they're sitting, they're just meeting each other for the dance and it's a little bit awkward, but like, you can tell they really like each other. So I really, really uh, felt related to that, like from when I was uh, in high school. (laughs) It also had like a touch of that forbidden love a bit because their parents would not let them work on the science (laughs) fair. So obviously you're going to root for them. You're like, Okay, yeah, come Romeo on, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they got in so much trouble <laughs> um, because, yeah. you know, again, going back to the the earlier books in the series, they they got in trouble for the earlier time travels um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons that had actually, in their parents' view, had nothing to do with time travel. But um, <laughs> they were forbidden to work together, and even their parents went so far as to say to the high school teachers, because they're in high school now, um, that they would not should not be allowed to work on the science fair together. And yeah. so they had to have a workaround, yeah. you know. And that was part of the fun too. Was they knew they couldn't do it like in the open but how would they figure out how to be able to work together because they knew that together they were so much stronger than just separately mm-hmm. yeah um and so they they wrote beth into the whole yeah <laughs> I love it. much to beth's chagrin <laughs> <laughs> yes yes because she is very much the polar opposite she is like i'm a designer girl oh, yeah you know, i got my jimmy shoes all of that exactly. yeah so exactly. funny um exactly. Yeah. And then I think the last character we want to talk about, it has to be Kairos because he's the most like mystical character in this book. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like Maggie and I don't get the full story because obviously we only read the fourth one. So we don't know the whole Kairos backstory. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first thing I just have to know as a reader, how old is Kairos supposed to be? And also, uh, is he more like supposed to be mystical versus sciency? Is he kind of a mixture of the two? Well, um, Kairos shows up, the name Kairos, again, I'll I'll get nerdy on you. Um, The name Kairos is, the word Kairos is Greek, and it means kind of just in time. So, you know, the word chronos, Mm -hmm. chronological, right? That means linear time. And Kairos is sort of more magical, mystical time. It's showing up. So he's the guy who shows up just in time. That's whatever. fun. That's <laughs> really fun. Yeah. And and how old is he, you ask? Well, he's either from 36,000 years in the future or 500 years in the past. We're never quite clear on that. We just know he's an IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> and his specialty is knowledge management. Got it. Got it. That's That's really fun. I love that it's kind of like his entire air in essence is mystery, uh, but also time-based. So I think that's a really like fun kind of character to add into this world where everything is very factual and sciencey and techie, where it's like, no, here's this one character that just kind of like sticks out like a sore thumb and for good reason, because he kind of has the key to time travel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, did, what did you think of Carolina, his sister? Yeah, Carolina was interesting because I like, I think I missed over it where I was like, how is she eight and he's however old he is? And I was like, you know what, Laura, I think this is something you just have to ride with this and stop asking (laughs) questions because I feel like we're not necessarily supposed to know the whole like dynamics behind it. (laughs) Yeah, what what time period did she belong to? I think I was trying to figure that out when reading. Well, well, she shows up first in the Renaissance Mm -hmm. in the earlier books. Um, and she she's Kairos's little sister, mm-hmm. um, but it's not clear. And and Kairos is their age more or less. 
in the books in the okay. series. Okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he's, chron- you know, chronologically, but that doesn't really mean that that's how old he is. Yeah. Yeah. And the same with Carolina. She um, She's eight in the, in the earlier parts, the earlier books in the series. Um, and, but she's been missing for two years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they don't know, they don't know where yeah. she was missing mm-hmm. um, between the Renaissance adventure and the enlightenment. She's been missing. Mm-hmm. And like, Charlie can't understand why Kairos isn't upset that his little sister has gone missing in time and space. Like we don't know where or when or. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so what the time travel in part is triggered in this book when Kairos brings Charlie a postcard that mm-hmm. has a picture of Notre Dame from Paris yeah. on the front of it, but not Notre Dame today. Well, today, especially not because since yeah. that time they've had that big fire, but yeah. um, it's Notre Dame in, in, you know, some indeterminate historic period because the, the cathedral is 800 years old anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's a clue. That's one of the clues that gets Charlie wanting to go back in time and rescue Carolina because yeah. it's an OS like, help, I'm lost. I don't know, but you have to come here. I met this amazing person. You have to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I loved yeah. her. She was very like strong willed. Yeah. Very my way or the highway. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. It. It's like for someone who's like eight plus or minus <laughs> years in time, I was like, she knows more than I would ever know uh, at that. But she also has the entire like, you know, history of time travel under her belt. So she, yeah. She knows a lot more than I I probably even do now, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> or me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, time travel changes you. Yeah. It definitely does. Yes. And she's she's a little bit of a mini me now that, you know, Charlie is her, you know, her kind of own obsession. Um, and she wants to be like Charlie when she grows up, which is when will that be? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> do you what have a favorite character in the book? So I have a, well, of course I love Charlie because yeah. she is near and dear to my heart and she's kind of a composite, mm-hmm. at, least, at least originally was a composite of my three kids who are all very different. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And so she, she kind of combines a lot of their strengths and some of their weaknesses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she is really near and dear to my heart, obviously. I, I love Carolina because she is so spicy you know yeah she knows she knows magic and sleight of hand I was like okay Carolina let's go (laughs) yeah like I can't wait you guys to make the Netflix streaming series yeah and cast the movie yeah Yeah. we would get to play these characters because I I think it would just be so fun so yeah like spread the word we just want to get pitch this to a yeah absolutely absolutely turn it into a series definitely <laughs> yes uh, no the, I feel like this would work really well as a series especially with all the, like the time jumping and yeah. the fact that they can go literally anywhere it's like that's that would make sense to me mm-hmm. yeah think of it as quantum leap for, for the younger generation yeah, yeah yeah um so this is obviously the fourth book in the edge of yesterday series and this is shifting years we're not talking characters anymore um my question is is do you have a planned like I'm stopping at this number of books uh, or are you just going to kind of see where things take you? Um, I'm going to see where things take me Yeah, um, because it's so much fun to work with mm-hmm. these characters and to, it, it kind of keeps me young because I also get to work with these young people, yeah. and, you know, sort of part of their lives in a way. Um, now that my kids are grown, it, it it's great to be able to, 
to um, really have a connection to this generation of, of teens and young people. And I feel like it keeps the writing authentic and mm-hmm. it keeps it real. Um, I might, I might turn away from it or take a slightly different tack at some point. I have an idea for an adventure for Charlie's mom. Ooh. Um, who may or may not also be a time traveler. <laughs> Ooh. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of feeling that after the, the next, after book five, that, um, it might be time to take a more, um, uh, mature approach to this in a way Mm -hmm. and see it from her mom's point of view right now the parents are kind of um secondary characters yeah Mm -hmm. but they're secondary characters but they have stories of their own Mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel like from a kid's standpoint of view especially teenagers points of view that their parents are not allowed to have separate lives they're just there to raise especially in YA books it's like I feel like most of the parents we see are very much just like I'm a parental figure so yeah I feel like that's definitely something we see often in the world of YA yeah yeah so instead of having you know like the Charlie Brown yeah 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 blah 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 blah, (laughs) voices that they should be fully fleshed out people too so so that might be a possible little sidetrack um and the the other thing is because I do love Carolina so much she may have a series of her own oh I love that too yeah Carolina's a really fun character yeah yeah I think you have a good formula obviously with all these characters to just hop off into a new series yeah yeah (laughs) spin-off 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 yeah (laughs) um have you even thought about maybe like a story that's completely outside of this world and making that its own thing do you have anything in like in the in the thought process there I do. Actually, I wrote a book, um, a a novel many years ago. It's called Satan's Mortgage. It has nothing to do with any of this. (laughs) It's a suspense novel. It takes place in New York in the 1990s in the world of real estate and finance. Yeah. It's a totally different thing. Totally not YA. I love that. Yeah, that sounds awesome, though. That sounds super fun. I mean, whatever you do next, we are along for the ride. Yeah, we are. I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, this was so fun. It was awesome. It was really awesome getting to talk to you. So, uh, like, thank you for carving out the time to sit down with us. Yeah. My pleasure. And I'm so honored to be your first interview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You did feedback? Feedback thoughts? No I'm kidding. No, I think I think you, guys, you know what I love talking to both of you because um, because you know each other so well. I feel like you feed off of each mm-hmm. other with your questions. So it's really um, as somebody who's done tons of interviews myself, you yeah. know, writing as a news person and um, uh, having done lots of writing for um, magazines and newspapers and publications. I um, think you guys have a really good. Um, chemistry with each other and it made me feel totally at home which I so appreciate it was just like comfortable and fun talking to you because we didn't have to do anything like by the book yeah yeah so like like we said super casual that's really nice we're so happy that you felt welcome and uh, I'm so happy that you were so open and honest with us about just like what like the process was like and what the characters are like and all of that that was super cool oh yeah this was a great conversation yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, I usually, and, and I have to say, you got some answers out of me that I usually don't give about the next book coming Ooh. up. And Ooh. That's something we, yeah, we were too, we were too welcoming. You were like, I'll just tell them. <laughs> the entertainment yeah. exclusive. I feel like we're girlfriends just chatting over. Yeah. Time. <laughs> we're just, yeah, we're like, give us the tea, Robin. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you gotta scoop. You gotta scoop. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, well, as we're as we're really wrapping this interview up, I guess the last thing we, we need to ask is there is there anything else you wanted to mention while while you're with us? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do actually. Um, so I'm working on developing a program because I've been doing all this work with young people and because I've been a mom of teens myself, I'm developing a pro and I know that the mother teen daughter relationship is often fraught. I'm developing a new program called the mother daughter code, which is really about uh, approaching your story and your relationship between mother and daughter through storytelling, through what stories you tell each other and yourself about your life and your life together and um, it's based on uh, other programs I've done. I, I, I do a journaling workshop and creative writing workshop. But this one is the first time that I'm trying to put together that dynamic between the, the mother and the teen daughter. Because if I can help in some way moms unlock the key to a smoother relationship with their teen mm-hmm. girls, I feel like I will have done a little bit of a service to the world. And so that's what I'm working on right now. I'm putting it together um, as an online course. It'll involve coaching, live coaching, but also modules that people can do at their leisure and um, hoping that will come out sometime, maybe spring 2023, that kind of thing. Awesome. That's, that's so really sweet. sweet. That's yeah. So that's a, I love that. That's a, I feel like that's not something that's talked about a lot. It's more of just like, that's just kind of how it is. Or it's like, nobody's really like, how can we make this better? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, it, it's, that's it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not the normal niche that you yeah. think about <laughs> yeah. in terms of relationships that are important, but it's mm-hmm. such a formative relationship. That's so and, true. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that we can all do better. And part of it is, um, that women ex- have until very recently accepted certain roles and certain things as normal. This is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But I think we're open, people are open more now to question everything. Like, why is it that way? Does it have to be yeah. that way? Do we make it better? How do we make it better? Like, what stories could we tell ourselves that would change that? And so that that's kind of the process that that I'm building on. And yeah. we'll see where it goes, but it's brand new. I'm really excited about it. I'm also terrified. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's honestly awesome. And that's also honest. And I, we wish you nothing but best of luck with that. Cause that sounds super duper cool. And we can't wait to see any updates on it. So yeah. thank you. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for coming on uh, the podcast. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. This has been likewise, really, likewise. Really great. I, hope we'll, I hope we'll talk again when book five yes. comes out. Oh and... my god, yeah. Please, next time a book comes out, let us know. We'll have you back. We'd oh, love yes. to. Yeah. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, we're always we're always down. That's the thing about I think our podcast is like we'll just say yes. We're like, yeah, come back. We we love having people on. We're like, yeah, we'll read your book. We love we want to. We we love talking with people. So yeah. this has been so awesome. Fun. <laughs> fun. I love it. I awesome. love it. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you both. And um, I can't wait to see yes. what, you, what you come up with next. Oh, my gosh. And thank you, Robin. And this is the part where we'll do a little outro to this episode. Uh, so, again, thank you, Robin, for talking about us with the whole Edge of Yesterday series and Find Me in the Time Before, which is the fourth book that we read. Uh, super awesome. We loved getting to talk with you. Um, and listeners, uh, follow us the usual places you follow us. 
Yeah, we are on Twitter and TikTok at Yeah We Read It. And then we are also on Instagram at Maggie underscore and underscore Laura. Got a lot of underscores in there. And you can also email us, Maggie and Laura present at gmail.com. That's how we got Robin on this show. So we the email plug is working because uh, we loved having Robin here. And if there's anybody else out there uh, that might, maybe wants to maybe wants to come on the show, we'd love to have you. Come hang out. Come hang out. Robin had fun. Uh, we're certified Robin, Robin approved. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you again, Robin. Thank you again, listeners. And we will see you the next time we release an episode. Yep.